pain. Absolute pain. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a live recap episode with myself, Zach Seiko, host of Locked On Nittany Lions, and the great one himself, Adam Sheets, Penn State Men's Basketball Insider. We're going to need a lot of inside work here, Adam, uh, as Penn State, uh, I mean, Twitter, Penn State Twitter had a meltdown here, Mm -hmm. uh, 59 to 56. Uh, That's the game. Penn State Men's Basketball comes up short, Adam, and, and here we are. So when things started to get a little fun, uh, they beat Ohio State, and I was going to say, you know what? When they when they string a couple together, and we get back in in the live show, uh, you and I are going to uh, recap both games. Well, the Ohio State one doesn't matter anymore. Nope, it's a quad one win, uh, but this is a quad two loss, uh, fifty nine to fifty six. Uh, feel free, uh, feel free, anyone that's joining us live, to uh, throw any questions in the chat. Uh, any comments you want to be uh, seen and get in on the conversation. We're going for about the next 20, 25 minutes. Uh, Adam, it's great to see you. I wish it was better circumstances. You were at the game. I I watched it in full. Uh, I'm a little, I I go back and forth between, because I'm a little delayed because I stream. And uh, so I'm seeing people's reaction like in real time. And I'm like, oh man. (laughs) <laughs> this is not this is not good this was a team you know i'm like okay three points you know it could it could, could get worse uh and it didn't because people's uh, reaction online was was just not good but yeah you saw it your uh, immediate takeaways uh, from this game i think it's more frustrating not that they lost you know Rutgers is a good team you know i think a lot of people coming in said you know it's not unrealistic that penn state will lose but it's the way they lost they were mm-hmm. up 42 to 23 early in the second half in this game and they played great in the first half tailed off towards the end of the first half. It's like, okay, Rutgers made a run, cut it to 10, but, you know, Penn State controlled it, so if they could just get out going in the second half, they might be able to put this thing away. And then they did, got up 19, but then the wheels completely fell off on this team. Seth Lundy played the worst game maybe he's ever played in a Penn State uniform. He couldn't hit anything. Uh, Coach Shrewsbury said after the game that he put a lot of pressure on himself. He was real amped up for this game, and, you know, he just – couldn't get it going so frustrating for Seth Lundy and then I think the biggest takeaway to take in this game is Jalen Pickett did not attempt a shot in the second half of this game and that can't happen that you you have a guy who's going to be an all-american all big 10 caliber player when the game's on the line especially when the wheels are falling off you got to find a way to get him going and he did not even attempt a shot in the second half Bigger than that, uh, Penn State did not make a field goal in the final nine minutes and 16 seconds. Uh, Jalen Pickett held scoreless in the second half. That is a testament to Rutgers' defense. Uh, and, I mean, that's supposed to be your – people at Penn State, my, myself included in this circle, say that Jalen Pickett is needs to be outside of the Big Ten, all Big Ten conversation, and be elevated into the – all-America conversation that is not an all-America performance uh who is the most responsible 
for Penn State's loss against Rutgers. I don't think I think this blame goes to a lot of different people, and I think it goes to the entire team. You know, they did not close a game that they should have closed. I think they're all going to put it on themselves. But Micah Shrewsbury took a lot of the blame on himself in the postgame press conference. He said he got out coached by Steve Peichel. He didn't put his team in the best way. He didn't handle the situations. And I kind of agree with him to an extent. You know, I'd like Micah. I think he's done a lot of great things this season. But in this game, they did not find a way to put Jalen Pickett in successful situations. They put him in positions on the wing with ball screens where it was easy for Rutgers to double, get it out of his hands, and no one was making shots for this Penn State team. Like Mikey Hen hit two threes. Cam yeah. Winter had it going from behind the arc in the first half, but no one was really hitting shots, so Rutgers was able to double, get it out of his hands, and not sacrifice and giving up those threes to other players. So I think, you know, just Rutgers' ability, you know, to trap – Penn State not being able to get Jalen Pickett in good positions, and then obviously Penn State not being able to hit shots is probably what you have to blame. And most of that obviously is going to go back onto coaching at the end of the day. I mean, shooting's atrocious. You know, mm-hmm. this is supposed to be, be the team that is almost unbeatable at home. I, I know they lost two to this point, uh, but they were up by 19 on Rutgers. And, and I feel like almost no lead is safe in basketball. Um, especially in college. So even though Penn State's up by 19, uh, Coach Peichel wisely takes a timeout early in the second half, and that changed the rhythm of just about everything there. Uh, Seth Lundy and Andrew, I mean, everyone's bringing up Seth Lundy and the fact that he kept shooting. I don't, I don't blame him uh, because he is statistically over the course of the season, the best shooter on the team alongside Andrew Funk, uh, and you can have a bad night. So you, you don't just stop when you are one of the main scores on the team I, so i agree with the sent- sentiment that he should have kept trying uh but andrew funk and seth lundy together were one of 18 so i don't think that seth lundy is the only culprit here andrew funk is truly your three-point score seth lundy just happens to be able to do it mm-hmm. i mean jalen pickett can do it too but seth lundy in this case is an all-around score he's a mid-range he's a guy who can drive he's a guy who can dunk whereas andrew funk's game is you got to find him in rhythm outside the arc yeah, that, that's his game, and he couldn't find a rhythm at all, which is surprising for him because he had been really good at home. As you said, Penn State's a completely different team when they're playing inside the Bryce Jordan Center. Andrew Funk's been a big reason why because he shot the ball so well at home, and that just was not there for him today. You know, he had a couple that didn't even hit the rim. He just was not able to get in any sort of rhythm offensively, and it's the same with Seth Lundy. And Penn State, you know it's going to be hard when, you know, your two other scores in Seth Lundy and Andrew Funk who can really stretch the floor and put a lot of pressure on defenses aren't shooting the ball well that allows Rutgers to feel comfortable and do a lot of different things defensively to take Jalen Pickett out of the game and I think that was really the key as you said if Penn State's not going to shoot the ball well especially those two who are your two reliable shooters that's going to be a recipe for disaster for Coach Shrewsbury and that's what happened in the second half. We're going to take a break we'll keep this conversation going we're recapping Penn State men's basketball versus Rutgers but first a word from our sponsor today and that is Built Bar looking for a delicious treat but you don't want all of the fat and calories then you got to try a Built Bar we just got through the holidays and I know my goal is still to eat a little healthier this year uh, but If you're like me, where you want to eat healthier, but you don't want to compromise all the taste, then man, I've got the thing for you. You got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious. You won't think they're just good for you. It's perfect for your New Year's resolution that's still going on. It's making its way into the third month. But what makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That is right 
real chocolate, and they come in unbelievably tasty flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box anymore. For years, we've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section, grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, run right in, grab a 13-bar box with hit flavors like brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. And thanks again for making Locked On Nittany Lions your first listen and watch every single day. Make sure you check out Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you get to hear from big-name experts, insiders, players, and coaches. That is Locked On College Basketball. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. We're live on YouTube currently. Uh, if you want to contribute your thoughts in the comments section, we welcome questions, comments, angry feedback. Of course, keep it clean, keep it PG, but uh, totally understand the emotion here. I, I didn't wasn't really enthused about doing the show, Adam, but <laughs> here we are. I, you know, I, I like our conversations, but mm-hmm. I, I wish it would have been three in a row. Uh, this. All right, so the next question is, can Penn State still make the NCAA tournament outside of winning the Big Ten tournament? We know that the automatic qualifier is still in play, and, and that's that's God's work. That's the Lord's work at that point because uh, Penn State won't do that on its own. But uh, if they beat Northwestern and they beat Maryland, those are two quad one wins. Mm-hmm. This was a quad two loss tonight. Now, it's a loss. Don't get me wrong, but uh, this wasn't a missed quad one opportunity. So, and I've heard that they don't even necessarily need to go five and zero down the stretch four and one and a good big 10 tournament performance still helps them get into the NCAA tournament. Your thoughts. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think, you know, there's still a chance. I think a lot of people obviously in the moment are like, this was the game that if they win, that puts them in because you feel really good mm-hmm. about it. And that just wasn't there for this team today. And they lose. And now everyone obviously goes the other way. Now they have no shot. I think now Penn State might have lost the ability to control their own destiny. I okay. think that kind of was taken away from them because now they're going to need some help. They didn't. They got some help in the Big Ten recently. They did not get some help nationally. North Carolina, who was behind them in the bubble going into Saturday, beat Virginia. So that's going to vault them Jeez. over Penn State. So, you know, they didn't get a lot of help. Some of the bubble teams that were behind them were getting big wins. Penn State obviously losing to Rutgers. Uh, but, you know, there's obviously the opportunity that if they win these next two, maybe some losses across the country, and then you get two or maybe three wins in Chicago in the Big Ten tournament, you're right where you want to be on the bubble in those conversations and just hope that your resume outbeats some of the teams you're going up against. Adam, it's funny how that works because I remember having conversations this past week about North Carolina and how they don't have the resume. That feature article on ESPN came out about them with the bracketology because they were 0-9 against quad one team or quad one games anyway. Uh, and then they go out and they beat Notre Dame on the road. And then they beat Virginia. So it's funny. It's just funny how that works, right? Um, you get you, you let them slide and then they finally show up mm-hmm. in the public eye. And then North Carolina finds a way to turn around. Kind of the same way Penn, Penn State. Yep. You, you know, okay, Minnesota, not really. But I, I gave them a 50-50 chance with a lean towards Ohio State just because that was a tough, that's a quad one game. And they went on the road against a team that uh, is still, according to the analytics, a team that uh, Ohio State is still respectable. 
and look what happened just recently. They beat Illinois. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not like, you know, things things come and go here. Uh, Northwestern. I thought Northwestern was going to be the toughest opponent remaining in this five-game stretch, and, and they're just getting beat down left and right, uh, blowing a lead against Illinois. They lost to Maryland 75-59. to Like, that's not a top-25 team, and a vulnerable team of Penn State can go in there, but it's on the road. So I, I still think – if they beat Northwestern, that's their toughest game just because it's a road game. And at least at this point in time, Northwestern's top 25. I think Maryland will slide into the top 25 when the new rankings yeah. come out just because of the way they beat the Wildcats here. So if they can hypothetically get two wins, a, a team that's in the top 30, uh, for if you're extending it for Northwestern, and then a team that Maryland will definitely be in the top 25, you win both those games. Okay, you're the conversation's still alive. Now you just can't fizzle out in the Big Ten tournament, you have to win at least, would we say two or three games in this instance? I think it depends where they are. I think it's three if they have to play on Wednesday, two if they play on Thursday. Right now they're playing on Wednesday, which isn't good. They're the 12 seed in the Big Ten right now, and they'd have to play Ohio State again, which, you know, that's not going to be an easy matchup on a Wednesday. Ohio State team that, as you said, just beat Illinois today, and it was a really close game in Columbus, so who knows what could happen in Chicago in a game situation where all the pressure's on Penn State and Ohio State really just playing to get ready for next season, playing with house money at that point, just going out and competing. So it could be a very interesting outcome there when those teams meet up, kind of like last year when they met in the Big Ten tournament, if that matchup sticks, where Penn State was kind of just playing for next season and then they were able to upset Ohio State as they were going on to the NCAA tournament. So I think it's three if they have to play on Wednesday, which is really hard in the Big Ten because that double bye is so important. I think two wins if you get that single bye, you know, upsetting a team that would be in the top four in the Big Ten would be huge and really boost that resume. That's what needs, and that's on a neutral site. So mm-hmm. again, when it becomes it, you want to look for those quad one wins. Those are very important, and it needs to be top fifty on a neutral site in order to get that quad one victory. But still, any victory is good at this uh, down the stretch. And Penn State's going to be tested here. I mean, they they are right on the bubble. They're fringe because some of the other teams in the conversation that they're kind of battling it out for that final spot: a uh, West Virginia. Uh, mm-hmm. Texas Tech. I mean, the Big 12 has been really good this year, but just some of those are the other teams. And I look at uh, West Virginia, for example, at 16 and 13, and I'm like, you put them ahead uh, of a Penn State, hypothetically. Penn State has the better overall record, but I guess when you really look at the schedules, the Mountaineers do have a couple more impressive victories, just given strength of schedule. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the big thing with strength of schedule because I was talking earlier today. Penn State had opportunities to get some wins that they didn't. I think you looked at Clemson game early in the ACC Big Ten Challenge would have been a huge win. Virginia Tech in the Charleston Classic, that could have got you to the championship against Charleston. That would have been a huge win for the Nittany Lions. You have the Michigan State game early in the year. There were a lot of games where you look at and you're like, man, Penn State had an opportunity to get a big resume-boosting win, and it just slipped out of their fingers, and they just weren't able able to hold on those were three really close games that Penn State didn't close out in the non-conference early in the year Michigan State obviously a conference game but in early December that if you win those games we might be having a very different conversation right now after this loss Miles Dredd uh zero points in this game 21 minutes this is again I'm just kind of answering the people's concerns Mm -hmm. uh this I want I want this to be the people's show about uh Penn State sports um you know we can talk about all the analytics and hypotheticals and stuff but people were saying well why is Miles Dredd out in the floor late in the game he hasn't really done anything and his game is shooting and he didn't have his first shot attempt 
until the final play of the game. And I think that's because Rutgers defended Penn State's first three options. <laughs> and then somehow Miles Dredd. I mean, that was a pass that was almost out of bounds. Mm-hmm. Jalen Pickett saved it to begin with. So that I thought that's how they were going to lose. The fact that they even got a shot off, the fact that Seth Lundy even almost attempted one final one. Uh, but Miles Dredd is, is kind of, here we go again. This Should he have even been on the floor Uh as much as he was in this game playing over 20 minutes and he's a three point shooter, but he only attempted one and it was just kind of a hail Mary. It really wasn't even a good shot. Yeah. I mean, I think he did really well defensively tonight. I thought he played good defense, but now we're obviously we're talking the last possession. Penn state had the ball on offense down three. And I didn't think of it in the moment, but kind of, you know, hindsight's 2020. I was thinking, you know, in the second half, the only guy really hit threes for him was Michael Hent. So, I mean, I don't know, maybe you give Michael Hen a shot in that situation, just a guy who's been there, knocked down shots, was really the only guy with any semblance of confidence there going down the stretch that if the ball does rotate around, maybe Michael Hen gets that look instead of a Miles Dredd, who, as you said, you know, you played 21 minutes. That was his first shot attempt, so you don't know how warmed up you are at that point, just not seeing it when your first shot attempt comes with 13 seconds left in the game and the ball swung back around. He wasn't even drawn up for him. They run the play. Yeah. They ran against Clemson to get Andrew Funk a three, and it was a bad pass that just the play ended up breaking down. Uh, but, you know, that's kind of the thing you could look at now. Obviously, it's easier to say now, but I think maybe Michael Hennon there would have gave them a different look and a guy who was confident and had knockdown shots in that game, in that half. Yeah, and on top of that, I thought that Penn State's game plan, uh, of course, when they were almost leading by 20, it seemed almost foolproof there. And I don't know what adjustments were or were not made because – They had Rutgers numbers. They had guys, key guys in foul trouble, uh, obviously, as Rutgers struggled with one of their better defenders being in foul trouble early on. Uh, And and Cam Winter is proving that he is more of an integral part of this offense. Uh, Just these past few shows that what we've been saying for probably the past two months on other select episodes is that Penn State only has Jalen Pickett. Seth Lundy and Andrew Funk to turn to. And now Cam Winter down the stretch when we were saying, oh, it might be Kanye Clary. He's emerging. No, it's Cam Winter who gave you that. And I thought that was going to open up more Andrew Funk and Seth Lundy opportunities. And it didn't, oddly enough. And I think that just has to do a lot with just poor shooting. And and, and ner- was this game about nerves? I feel like Penn State just couldn't believe that they were up by 20 or close to it anyway. It was 19, but they were up by almost 20 points. They were dominating a team that they were a three-point favorite in this game. So if you put them on a neutral site, Rutgers, according to Vegas, would be a favorite in that game. So Penn State, even at home, they still believe that Rutgers is the winning team. Just Penn State has home court advantage in this case. Mm -hmm. Uh, So did it just come down to nerves at the end of the day? Like they couldn't believe that they were up by that much and that they were winning the way they were. Yeah, I I think that's definitely something that came into this. I was talking to some people after the game as well, and I kind of said, you know, I think it kind of felt like Penn State got up 19 in the second half, saw new Rutgers. quickly. New Rutgers was going to make a run. It was very early. It was just Penn State trying to hold on for dear life there at the end. I think a lot of those players, knowing the importance of the game going in, obviously the coaches say we don't want to read, you know, the newspaper clippings and know like, oh, this is a big game for your bubble opportunity to get you in the NCAA tournament. And there was some added pressure going into the game and just trying to hold on for dear life just the way the game was playing out. I think that definitely played a role in how this game ended up and Rutgers able to get the win. It also helps that 
Rutgers is a team that's used to winning these close games. They've done that yeah. the last few years. Steve Peichel's built a really good program. They're in a lot of close games, and they find ways to win. And they were able to play the game at their pace, a little slower half-court game, and they were able to score. Penn State, they're a team that wanted to run in this game. That's what they did early in the first half when they made their first run. They were getting up and down, getting quick shots. They didn't do that late. I think it might have been the just trying to hold on, slow the game down, use the entire shot clock, shorten the game. But that allowed playing right in the Rutgers' hand defensively and then allowing them to set up their offense and be successful on their end as well. 59 to 56, the final Penn State, 17 and 12 overall, 8 and 10 in conference. Uh, Cam Winter, the leading scorer, 16 points. Uh, Jalen Pickett behind him with 11, just kind of the poorest game after he was named National Player of the Week. It's crazy how this, these things just go up and what goes up must come down, right? Uh, and Seth Lundy with probably the most abysmal a miserable performance of his Penn State career with seven points, but most importantly, one of 16 from the field and 0 of 11 from three-point land. So a final segment, I am Zach Seiko of Locked on Nittany Lines. Your host is always Adam Sheets, special guest joining me with Penn State men's basketball. Adam, let's get this one in a little earlier. Where can people find your work as we want wrap this one up? At Sheets Adam on Twitter, where you can find everything for all your Penn State basketball needs. All right. And Penn State has a very important game against Northwestern and one against Maryland later on March 1st and March 5th. What a way to start your March mm-hmm. off. Uh, so that one is out in Northwestern. Uh, let's let's go to ESPN and see what this one would be projected at Northwestern. I don't think would rank inside the top 25. I think basically they'll switch positions with Maryland after the results, 75 to 59 wildcats, uh, 20 and nine overall 11 and seven in conference. And according to ESPN, Northwestern wins this one 71% of the time. Uh, I believe that I think that's right in the ballpark and Northwestern has been such uh, a better team. They're good defensively. They only allow 62 points per game. Uh, and, and the offense is good. It's good enough. Uh, Boo Booey uh, gets his leading player for them. Uh, and as we all know, one of the Penn State legends uh, is on that team coaching. That is Taylor Battle. So uh, in order to make Maryland of any interest, Penn State's got to beat Northwestern. So can they do it? I think they can. I think this is an interesting matchup because Northwestern's played really well, but they're not that team that just overwhelms you with talent. Like some of the teams in the big 10, like Purdue, like in Indiana where the talent's just all over and any guy can get you. Northwestern is a team that heavily relies on Boo Booey and Chase Audige to be their two guys in the backcourt to really carry the load offensively. And then they have some great role players around them that can do a lot of good things. They're really good at home. Their last three home games, they beat Purdue, Indiana, and Iowa, which are huge, two, three huge wins, really booked their ticket to the North to the NCAA tournament, and they're playing for seeding. They're probably going to be a top seven seed in the NCAA yeah. tournament, barring a really slow finish to the year. Um, so I think you know Northwestern's got to come in this game confident, even after two losses on the road to Illinois and Maryland. Illinois game, I think they believe they probably should have won. They were up through, by a bunch. Up yeah, by a just, bunch. Threw it away in the second half, just weren't able to do it up 18 at halftime. And then Maryland was a game that was really close in the first half, and then Maryland just slowly pulled away. And Maryland's a really good team at home, finished the year undefeated at home, 10-0 and in conference play at home. 
for the Terrapins. So, I mean, it's definitely, you know, a tough game for Penn State going in. They're going to have opportunities. I think they can win this game, but they got to play well. They got to fix the issues they had in this Rutgers game. It's a very different team, a very physical Northwestern team. They play very physically inside with the way they defend the post and a lot of interesting things. They're going to hit Jalen Pickett very hard, probably a lot of double teams. So it's going to be on these shooters to be ready to make shots. And if they do, I think they can give Coach Collins and this Wildcats team fits and potentially walk out of Evanston with a win, but it's not going to be easy. Everything you told me makes me feel even worse about the game against Northwestern, <laughs> just because I, those are the teams that Penn State struggles with. Mm-hmm. The they, they can match up better because Penn State's a finesse team this year. They're not a physical team. Uh, so unless they shoot 60% from three-point range like they did against Illinois on the road, that is the only formula. And I don't see that happening as often as you think, and especially since Northwestern's just a better defensive team. They're a very good rebounding team. They average eight steals a game. Uh, They don't shoot well, but because Penn State's defensive efficiency is one of the worst in the country. Again, it is the worst uh, in the Big Ten for sure. Uh, Going up against a Northwestern team that's just a little lackluster on offense, their name of the game is defense. I I just don't see... Penn State's recipe and also on top of that because we're still at the college level at the pros this is a little different players are more mentally tough I think this what this loss to Rutgers at home is going to stick with them uh, through the Northwestern game and I think it's going to haunt them and Northwestern shouldn't have any issues beating Penn State I, I hate to say it yeah, I mean, it's hard to say, but, you know, you said it. I mean, these players are going to get on Twitter, I'm assuming. I mean, they're going to see the thing people are saying about <laughs> it. I mean, I, I, we'd advise them, yeah, don't get on Twitter if you're them. It's it's not pretty on there right now. A lot of people very upset. Uh, but, you know, I mean, this is a team that's going to have to regroup. They're a veteran team. They're the oldest team in Ken Palm. We've seen them do this where they bounce back after a tough loss. Now, they haven't had a loss like this where it was theirs and they were going to book their ticket to the NCAA tournament yeah. and it just fell right away from, from them at the end. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how they respond, how Coach Shrewsbury is able to lead this team heading into their two days of practice before they travel to Northwestern. It's going to be interesting. I think Northwestern's got to feel confident with Penn State coming in, and they got to be ready to go But because they're looking to get back on track. As we said, they've lost two straight. But, you know, Penn State's going to have to regroup and just find a way to get back on track and maybe get a win at Northwestern, but it is not going to be easy. This will show how mentally tough they are and how well Micah Shrewsbury can get through to his group because we saw them respond, at least over the past two games, Minnesota and Ohio State, uh, Illinois, uh, just stringing those wins together and and coming off of that losing streak. Uh, So the fact that they were able to garner this much attention, I think, Adam, real quickly, I want to finish on that note, is the fact that so many people got back invested in Penn State men's basketball. This wasn't a team that was kind of the afterthought. It's like, oh, well, we know that they show up in the Bryce Jordan Center, but this was a team that was actually drawing interest. They were entertaining uh, more so for the first time since the not only the COVID season, but 2018. It started to kind of have that feeling again, looking at the Bryce Jordan Arena and seeing everybody around. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, and then that's why so many people are coming down hard. I saw how what there were 250 plus comments on yeah. Penn State men's basketball, the official account on Twitter, uh, and just people saying, you know, how, how dare you lose? And it's like this poor, you know, the poor people that run social media um, for that for the team. But at the end of the day, I find that very interesting. Is that everyone's hopes were let down uh, in this given moment, but it, mm-hmm. it's not over. And I hope they kind of use that as motivation to 
shock the world, shock the fan base that the, because I don't think Penn state fans are giving them and including myself are going to give them a chance against Northwestern. And uh, until they hypothetically beat Northwestern, Maryland's not even uh, the GAC games, not even in the conversation here. Yeah, I think you made good points there. I think Penn State's got to embrace, if you're Coach Shrewsbury and you're this locker room, it's us versus the world. Everyone in this locker room together as one versus everyone. Kind of close it in, be the 15 guys in that room, ready to go, ready to compete together. And if they do that, I think they'll re-garner that fan support. I actually thought going into this game, it would be very similar to the 2018 game against Ohio State when they were coming home. Penn State was on a win streak. They were feeling really good, and they just routed Ohio State at home in that game. I thought that's where this game was going to go because the crowd was awesome. They had a great turnout for this game, but just on a as Sunday. we said, they, yeah, they just weren't able to close it out for the Nittany Lions. So they got to really embrace that, come together as one kind of us versus the world mentality. And as you said, they're going to have to try to shock the world. And it starts on Wednesday with maybe an upset win over Northwestern. Is locked on Nittany Lions uh, before we go. Thanks again for making us your first listen and watch every single day. Make sure you check out Locked on College Basketball as March Madness gets ready to ramp up everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, you get to hear from big name experts, insiders, players, and coaches. That is Locked on College Basketball available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe to Locked on Nittany Lions if you haven't already. Thanks again for joining us for another live show. Adam, it's always great to talk to you. Appreciate your time and hopefully when we recap Northwestern and Penn state and ultimately Penn state and Maryland, those are better conversations that we can have. Thanks again, as always. Yep. Yep. Thanks Zach. Always a pleasure.